Degenerates to Four Stats Podcast. I am your co-host Brandon, and Chase is also here. Say hello, Chase. What's up? What's going on? Each week we talk sports, sports gambling, and fantasy football. Each week we give you four unique stats. Some are meant to be informative, some are meant to blow your mind, maybe even controversial, and others are just conversation starters. This episode we talk Peyton Manning, including what should the Broncos do with him? What should Manning do with himself? Retire? We give you our Week 11 fantasy lineups and against the spread pick. But before we look ahead to this upcoming week, Chase, what did you take away from this past weekend? This past weekend, I kept a lookout for the sleepers. If you haven't noticed, the Minnesota Vikings are currently there sitting at the number one position ahead of Green Bay. They look like they're going to clinch a playoff berth, but we have to wait till this week pans out to see how the game goes on Sunday. Also, if you look at the AFC South, the Houston Texans are currently tied for the number one spot in that division. Andrew Luck is currently hurt for the Colts, and Jacksonville is only one game out of the number one spot. So there's a couple of sleepers in the NFL that might be making it to the playoffs, similar to how Carolina did the year before. Yeah, you should be putting the spotlight on the Vikings. Uh, I was shocked when I was going through the standings this weekend to see that they've, they've allowed the second least points in the NFL, only two behind the Bengals. And the Texans, there's no reason they shouldn't be able to win the division. No Andrew Luck. Their defense is that better than the Colts. Uh, it's just if they can move the bar and score. So we'll see who comes out of the AFC South. But whoever does, I really don't know if they're going to be able to contend for the Super Bowl. I don't know if I can say it's the same about the Vikings. They may be a real contender in the NFC. Absolutely. And no one is bringing this up or giving Adrian Peterson his credit. But everyone talks about Freeman being the best running back in the NFL. But right now, Adrian Peterson is leading the NFL in rushing yards. I think he's probably about 40 yards short of 1,000. And he's basically been having another Adrian Peterson type of year. If he keeps it going, he's definitely going to break uh, 1,500. So Adrian Peterson needs to get some of his credit back, being known as one of the best running backs, maybe even still the best running back in the NFL after basically having a year off. Yeah, I don't think he ever should have really lost that title, to be honest. We're talking about the best in the league. Let's go ahead and get into it and talk about Peyton Manning, who has been the best at his position for a really long time. Just go ahead and give me your general thoughts of Peyton Manning. Well, first of all, I'm a Peyton Manning lover. Um, Peyton is my guy. He's always been my guy. I've loved him since he's been in the NFL. And it looks like Peyton Manning is coming to the end of the road. But this is something that I know, you know, and everyone else should. He's a 39-year-old quarterback that has been in the NFL for a while and has played at the highest level for a long time. Um, What bothers me about Peyton Manning, well, I take that back. What bothers me about the world and the critics out there, they're saying that Peyton Manning has fallen off or that he's declining. Uh, If you could say that a couple of weeks ago, I could understand that if you were referring to this season. But if you're just talking about Peyton Manning in general, he's been playing at a high level for his entire career except for this season. He hasn't had a slowly steady decline. He's been playing as one of the best quarterbacks in the league. His numbers show that. 2013, his first year with the Denver Broncos, I believe it was, he had his best statistical career as an NFL player. He threw for over 5,000 yards and 55 touchdowns. That was just two years ago, but people are saying that he's fallen off and that he's been falling off. That doesn't make any sense to me. I love how you stated that. I I am also a big Peyton Manning fan, uh, but this season I feel like I'm more of a Peyton Manning apologist because I feel the same way that you do. You, you can't, I mean, obviously he's closer to the end of his career. Every year that you play, you're closer to the end of your career. But his decline isn't 
just a, a steady decline. He has played better than any quarterback besides maybe Brady, and that's argumentative even just last year. I have a big problem with everybody who thinks that he just can't rebound or won't be able to perform at an NFL level. Yes, I just don't understand where the criticism comes from. He continues to produce. He continues to win. Of course, now he's at the end of his career, so his GMs are putting more talent around him. But that only makes sense. Why wouldn't you put talent around the best player in the NFL? I'm not saying that he's the best, but some nights he is. Why wouldn't you put the best, put a lot of talent around the best player in the NFL to give you a chance to win a Super Bowl? You can tell that the Broncos are an extremely talented team. They're not reliant on Peyton Manning, which I believe we'll talk. I'll talk quite a bit about a little bit later. Uh, I just there's a little stat that I saw. I believe it was Sunday Night Football. Uh, maybe it was a different network. When the Broncos were seven and zero, they said this is the fifth time that Manning has started seven and zero. And to put that in perspective, how great of an accomplishment that is. Tom Brady and the Patriots have only done that three times. So how can you say that a player is done and shouldn't be an NFL quarterback? When he started the season 7-0, and it's, it's just illogical to me. Yes, it just doesn't make much sense to me at all. Uh, even now, if you just look at his stats and what his production is currently. All right, last year, and out of quarterback ratings, Peyton Manning finished the year with the third-ranked highest quarterback rating. That's 101. If you don't know much about quarterback ratings, if you start to hit in the hundreds, it's basically like the SATs. You're going anywhere you want to go. <laughs> um, and basically, Peyton Manning is... Better than majority of the quarterbacks. Uh, I'm shocked to hear that he finished the year at three because everybody thinks of last year and thinks of his decline the last couple of games when his, I, I forget exactly what muscle he was hurting, but that's what they think about. But even with that decline, he was still ranked the third highest quarterback according to the QBR. That's that's really impressive. Now, this year, of course, he has declined, and that's pretty obvious. This year is one of his worst years. But if we just put a few things in perspective, right now at quarterback rating, he's 21st, which is definitely a huge decline. And right now, he only has about 1,100 passing yards. But we're at the halfway point of the season, maybe a game or so over. He's still on the verge of throwing for over 20 touchdowns and also finishing with 4,000 yards passing. As much of a, of a Peyton apologist I am, there's no way I can argue he's having a good year. First of all, he has no chance of getting to 4,000 yards because he. I think he is going to miss significant time. But more than that, he's played really bad this year. In fact, that brings me to stat one. Peyton Manning is averaging one interception for every 11 completed passes this year. That is the worst of his career. It's even worse than his rookie year when he threw 28 picks. But maybe one out of 11 doesn't completely blow your mind. But let me put that in comparison for you. In 2013, it was one interception for every 45 passes. His career average, not including this year, is one out of every 25 completed passes. So when you're throwing an interception, one every 11 of your completed passes, you're having a bad year. Yes, I will admit that he's having a bad year, but even when the year finishes out, barring he doesn't sit out too many more games due to injuries, and his team is going to the playoffs, so he'll probably get at least one or two extra games. I'm pretty sure that he'll probably get to that 4,000 mark because don't think that Peyton Manning is not going to come back gunning. There's no way that Peyton Manning sits back there and hands that ball off majority of the game. That's just not him. That's just not his nature. He's not going to sign off on that. And I still think that he'll still finish the season strong. I can't say that they'll win a Super Bowl. And if they do win a Super Bowl, even though they have put a defense around him and also outstanding wide receivers, he'll still be on Peyton Manning's shoulder. And we all know that when it comes down to it, Peyton Manning, 
will get the job done. I know he chokes in the big games as far as the Super Bowl and sometimes in the AFC Championship, but I'm pretty sure that Peyton Manning can definitely get you two playoff wins in the NFL. I do want to get back to that topic of what we should expect out of the Broncos this year. But before we get into that, I feel like I'm pretty well-versed in football news. And I get a lot of the uh, stranger side of the news from you, actually, when we talk uh, on a personal level. But there's something that I did not know until I was preparing for this episode. And that is, since Peyton Manning had his neck surgery in 2011, he doesn't have any feeling in his fingertips. Now, I know I'm not an NFL quarterback, but there's no way I could throw a ball into a pool if I can't feel it coming off my fingertips. And the fact that man hasn't had feeling in his fingertips for years and has been able to perform it the way he does is, is something special and phenomenal. Uh, his foot injury now, anytime I hear of an NFL player hurting their foot, running back wide receiver, I, I just count them out fantasy-wise. I just don't think they'll be able to produce. So I'm really curious how fast Peyton Manning will be be able to heal and how effective he'll be when he gets back. You do need that foot to plan off. And especially with Manning, who doesn't have the greatest arm strength anymore, he's really generating a lot of his power throughout the rest of his body. The same injury that he has is the same injury that Joe Kim Noah had for the Bulls a couple of years ago in the playoffs. I don't know how much my audience follows the NBA. It's an injury that does hurt when you plant. Um, when you plan to explode or when you plan to get down in your stance, uh, that's when it hurts you the most. It really doesn't hurt you when you're being active far as running back and forth because you're being light on your feet. But it hurts you the most when you go to plant or when you're getting into a stance because that's when you're putting basically all your weight on your feet and your, your feet are basically supporting your body, which I think that will bother Peyton Manning. But one thing I don't know how often you actually watch some of the mechanics of Peyton Manning. He does plant his feet, but his feet are always moving. He's not what we would call a sitting duck in the pocket. Uh, he's always jumping up and down. I always make fun of him and say that he's a bobblehead because if you watch him in the if you watch him in the pocket, he reminds me of one of those. Um, Back in the day, back in the 80s, when they used to have the football game on the electric board and it just goes. <laughs> if you ever watch Peyton Manning, he actually sits in the pocket and he's just bouncing up and down, bouncing up and down. So he is actually active. So I don't think that that injury will bother him that much if he allows it to heal some. But once again, I do think that he'll probably need two weeks off for him to get back to a playing level. Yeah, I, I would actually argue the other side of your point. Uh, I, I'm i very aware how often Peyton Manning moves his feet in the pocket. They're just constantly, he's running in place, really. Uh, but maybe that actually puts more pressure on the injury than if he was to be more like Tom Brady and standing still in the pocket. At, at the same time, I'm not a doctor, so I really don't know how it's going to affect him or the healing time. You you mentioned the it will still be on Peyton Manning's shoulders if they were to go deep in the playoffs. What are your expectations for the Broncos this year, given Peyton Manning's injury? Given Peyton Manning's injury, and we're saying that he's playing, not him on the sideline, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, whatever you believe is going to happen for the rest of the year, if you believe that he's going to play, then what do you expect him to do, even if he's playing injured? Well, in all honesty, I've considered Peyton Manning in the last 10 years, he's a Super Bowl or bust. So my expectations for him won't change at all. Every time I see him under center, I'm automatically going to assume that they have a chance to win the Super Bowl. Now, obviously, that hasn't happened, but once in the last 10 years. But every time I see Peyton Manning line up under center, I automatically assume that he's going to win the Super Bowl. That's just how talented he is. Of course, they may fall short, but my expectations for him are Super Bowl or bust. 
Yeah, this is another one of those times where I wish we had one other person on the podcast with us to disagree, because I know that we're in the minority of how we feel on this topic. And there would be a there's a whole lot of people shaking their head at us right now. And that different opinion could help us argue the point better. But I'm with you. It, I Even if Peyton Manning's hobbled, I believe that Super Bowl or bust is the right um right mind frame to be in for this team. I do think that they can beat New England in the playoffs. In fact, I, I'll go out on a limb and say that I think they could even beat uh, the Patriots next week with Brock Osweiler starting. That's how much I believe in this defense. And I'm not just saying that to say that. I saw a pretty cool stat when they were uh, 6-0 and at the time. They actually had the lowest point differential of all time of 6-0 and teams. And basically that means they're not blowing teams out. They play close games. It's because their defense has been so dominant when their offense isn't performing. But I also believe that that the defense is talented and dominating enough to carry the team. Yes, definitely. But, you know, you and I, we both dibble and dabble. I'm saying that with a smile on my face in the gambling world. So who would Peyton Manning and the Broncos be a underdog to in the NFL? Not just the AFC, but in the NFL other than the Patriots. I even think if they played a head-to-head game with Carolina, with them being undefeated, at most the spread might be two, uh, two and a half Carolina. If we're at Carolina, probably on a rainy day, it's not many teams that would actually be favored over Peyton Manning if they were going head-to-head. And if it's on a neutral field, the only people that I would I would consider to be favored over them would be New England. I want to fully agree with you. Um, at the same time, if Peyton Manning continues to play this way or his health is unknown, uh, the public has really turned on Peyton. So I believe that they could really drive the line maybe uh, against Green Bay. Um, I guess there's not a lot of other dominant teams that come to mind for them. But, what to- would they, but Aaron Rodgers is playing just as bad as Peyton Manning and he's healthy. That would be a totally different topic. And I really think that's just the product of the defenses he's playing. Um, he's Aaron Rodgers. I can assure you is not throwing one interception for every 11 completed passes. And that's, that's pretty damning evidence. He threw back to back L's. That's the same thing Peyton Manning is doing. <laughs> that is true. I believe though, um, Green Bay's is back to back to back. So he, he's one up to Drake. We were talking about what we expected out of the Denver Broncos moving forward. At the very least though, you have to believe that they're going to win the AFC West regardless if Peyton doesn't play another snap in the regular season. The Broncos have built a huge lead at 7-2. and two. They have a three-game lead over the four and five Chiefs. Now, I just want to run over some what-if scenarios. Let's say Kansas City goes on a uh, tear winning five of their last seven games, and Broncos only win two of their final seven. That makes it a tie, and it's a big assumption to say that Kansas City can win five of seven, which leads me into stat two. Kansas City has historically struggled in its final seven remaining games of the season. They haven't had a winning record in its last seven games of the season since 2011. In fact, they are combined 7-15 and over the last three seasons in their remaining seven. Things change late in the year. You're beat up, you're playing cold weather, and Kansas City does need to go 5-2 and down the stretch to have any chance at winning division title. And when they have six combined wins in three years, there's no reason to expect that a below 500 Kansas City team can win 71% of the remaining games. So that leads me to the question, do you believe that Peyton should rush back, given that the AFC West title is pretty much in hands? 
Not at all. We just said that Peyton Manning is Super Bowl or bust. John Elway has done everything in his power to, to win now because he knows his window is not that large. So I think they should let Peyton Manning sit. A little bit of rest won't hurt Peyton Manning. He's already playing a little rusty, so that won't really matter. So I really think that Peyton Manning should go ahead and rest up and get ready for the final stretch. They're going to the playoffs. I'm willing to bet that. So I think that they should just go ahead and allow, allow him to rest and bring him back when he's at his healthiest so they can go ahead and make that Super Bowl run because he doesn't have much running left in him. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I say sit him longer than he even wants to sit because you know he's dying to get back out there. But unless you, you're in danger of losing the AFC West uh, title, there's no reason I'm bringing him back early. And that's a big disappointment considering they do play New England in two weeks. But there's really it's not worth it for them to trot him out there when it is Super Bowl or bust. Most definitely. I think they should just go ahead and depend on their defense. And maybe they should consider running the ball for a change. I agree with you fully there, and I'm actually going to comment on that a little bit later. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into our fantasy lineups. All right, certainly. We can definitely talk about our fantasy lineups. How did we do last week? I think you are aware that you beat me pretty handily. Uh, you, we are now tied 4-4 apiece, so good job last week. And I, I'm i a little bit worried about this lineup when I'm about to read it, going over some of these names. I'll go ahead and start it off. I have Phillip Rivers as my quarterback this week, and before I pass it on to you, I do want to uh, point out that my lineup is Chargers heavy, and I really believe that this offensive line who's been who just riddled with injuries every week, it seems like, is that it's healthy. It's, it's going to be – they have over $19 million paid to two guys this year on the left side of the line alone, and both of them are finally back and healthy after their bye week. So I'm going to be really Chargers heavy, and that's why I'm stacking them with Phillip, Phillip Rivers as my quarterback. All right, and my quarterback – I think I've been taking him a couple of times so far this year, and I'm still going to continue to ride with him. I'm going with Carr. He's going to throw the ball. He's mobile, so he's not going to get sacked, so he can extend plays and find his wide receivers down the field. So I'm going to go ahead with Carr. I fell on your trend a little bit at the running back position. I took Danny Woodhead. Uh, He was at a good price, and also the Chargers are running out of weapons. So I figured Woodhead would definitely be the guy that they would go to. Uh, Both of their tight ends, neither one of them are healthy. They'll probably suit up, but neither one of them are 100%. And Danny Woodhead can carry the ball, but he's an excellent receiver out the backfield. And we all know Phillip Rivers is going to get his attempts in. So I'm definitely taking Danny Woodhead. Uh, I'm also jumping on the trend of the Chicago Bears and Jeremy Lankford. After watching him on Monday Night Football, I believe a week ago, I also lost in fantasy because of him. Uh, against a friend of mine. Langford is a solid running back and also I'm kind of a Big Ten supporter in college football. So I've watched the majority of his career at Michigan State. So I really like that guy at running back. What about you? Who's at your running back? Uh, We agree on Danny Woodhead. Uh, I think he's a spark to that offense. And I don't don't think he's going to get a ton of yards carrying the ball. But if they keep throwing it, that's a whole lot of PPR. So I'm I'm counting on Danny Woodhead as well. Um, For my second running back, I went with Frank Gore, who is going to be expected to do a little bit more with luck out. As far as my wide receivers, I went with Des Bryant, who's getting uh, Tony Romo back. I went with T.Y. Hilton, who I expect to be able to be the focus point of this offense when they do throw. And I went with Stevie Johnson, my third charger of the day. Everybody that you picked today, except for Stevie Johnson, came across my mind, but I went a different route. I did some stacking there. I went and got Amari Cooper. And as I said, everyone that you said, I took Dez Bryant, Romo's back, and Romo's going to get Dez the ball. 
I took Danny Amendola as my third wide receiver because Edelman is basically out. Someone has to fill those shoes, and everybody knows how Brady loves his slot guys. If we go to our tight ends, I went ahead and took Charles. I took Charles because Buffalo is playing New England, and New England generally takes away your biggest threats. So they're going to focus on shutting down Sammy Watkins, and also they'll focus on stopping the run. So I figured that the next person they'll probably look into that will be open will probably be the tight end. So I took Charles Clay there at tight end. Uh, First, I want to comment on Amendola. I love the pick. I actually think he's more athletic than than Edelman. I think Edelman just knows the routes a little bit better and is on – seems to be on the same page with Brady all the time, but I think Amadola is actually a better athlete. So I love that pick my tight end. I went with Travis Kelsey and for my flex, I went with LaShawn McCoy, almost the same lines that you were thinking. I, I think the Buffalo will lean a little heavier on him if they try to take away Sammy Watkins. Definitely. Well, why I pick, when I was making my team, I realized I had a lot of money left over. So what do you do? Spend it all. So I went and got Todd Gurley in my flex. And to finish it off, you know, after you spend it all, once you buy a bench, you need an everyday car, so you have to get something cheap. So my Honda Civic <laughs> is the Lions defense. <laughs> That's well said. I actually, I think this is the the easiest defense of the of the year to select. I went ahead and selected the most expensive defense, the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks defense has averaged 13 fantasy points a game in its last three games against San Francisco. It's more than that. That will lead us into our third stat of the day. San Francisco has allowed more sacks to Seattle in its last three games, 16, than points they've scored in three games against Seattle, 13. That makes it a no-brainer for Seattle to take Seattle this week. And also they're playing against Blaine Gabbert. Don't forget about that guy. (laughs) (laughs) I think we've we've trashed that name enough on this podcast. I was trying to spare him. I could not fathom that an NFL team would allow more sacks than points they scored when a touchdown's worth seven. Yes, and they're <laughs> rivals, so their defense will definitely be up for the game. Yeah, and you know that they know each other well. But that's our fantasy lineups for week 11. Uh, we are tied four and four heads up now. We'll see who comes out ahead this week, and hopefully we both cash in the millionaire maker. Now, every week we want to give you a against the Bra- spread pick. Oh, Brandon. I've fallen off. Brandon, Brandon, <laughs> Brandon. I hope these people aren't spending their kids' college money on these plays (laughs) because I'm sure I've lost some weekend movie money. Yeah, I I have fallen off a little bit since the hot start. Uh, I've lost two in a row. Uh, I'm 0-2-1 over my last three. Fade them, everybody. Fade them. Oh, you're not going to want to fade after you hear this one. But everything we've been saying this entire podcast could really be repeated here in our Against the Spread winner. The Chicago Bears are hosting the Peyton manning Broncos and only getting one and a half points. I'd be shocked if Bears won this game. Now I know that Chicago just stunned the Rams as a seven-point underdog, whooping them outright by 24. That was the exception. It looked like a blowout. But 170 passing yards came off two passes of five yards or less. That means Cutler only had 83 yards on the other 17 completions that he, that he had. The NFL average this year is 24 points per game. The Bears have only scored over 24 points once all season. They're certainly not going to be able to do it against the third best scoring defense in the NFL with the Denver Broncos. So if you're taking the Bears, you're basically saying they're going to win outright. And because of the stat I just told you, you're basically going to count on the Bears defense to get it done. The Bears were surprisingly able to shut down Gurley, holding him to just 45 yards on 12 carries, a measly three 
0.7 yards a carry. Again, that's the exception. The Bears this season as a team have allowed 4.6 yards a rush. That's 27th in the NFL, or a better way to say that, 5th worst in the NFL. Stat 4. It's worse than that though. In their previous 6 games before the Rams, the Bears opponent's leading rusher have rushed for 4.8 yards per rush or better in 5 of the 6 games. They allowed 5.5 versus the Chargers, 5.1 yards per carry against the Vikings, 3.4 versus Detroit, which Detroit can't run on anybody, 4.8 versus Kansas City, and 6.5 versus Seattle, and not to mention the 10.6 against one of their opponents early in the year. This isn't a shutdown defense. It's a defense that has allowed the 8th most points in the NFL. I expect the Broncos running game, which has been improving, to have a breakout performance this week. I'm taking the Denver Broncos to win easily versus the Bears. Well, Brandon, I'm not really sure if I'm going to take this pick. As much as I like the Broncos and as much as I could care less about Chicago, I'm going to probably just put my money on Dallas this week. They've lost seven in a row. Tony Romo's back. They're desperate for a win, so I'm probably going to go ahead and put my money on Dallas this week and roll with that. I'll probably just take the money line. There you go. Let's get a bonus against the spread winner this week from Chase. Uh, who's no, no longer believing in my picks, even though I guess he's saying he expects the Bears to win outright. So after all he said, I'm going to give him a hard time. Ne- Correction, I, I didn't say week. that the Bears <laughs> will win outright, and I didn't say that Denver will win outright. I said, I'm just not betting on that game. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, but I am looking forward to improving our record to get above five. Most certainly. I'm, you're my teammate, so I'm always pulling for you, so... Let's go all <laughs> That's right. So let's go ahead and get your final period for this week. Final period. This has been eating me up all week. I just want to ask you. You don't have to respond. The question's pretty rhetorical. When Cam Newton celebrates in the end zone, he gets letters he gets letters written by mothers calling him arrogant and cocky. When Aaron Rodgers does his championship dance, he gets commercials called discount double checks. I just want to ask you. What's the difference between the two actions? What is the difference between the two individuals? You answer the question for me. Just let me know. You can respond on Twitter or Facebook. And our address for that is at 4statspodcast. A shameless plug right there. I think you raised an interesting question. I, I think that reading that article about the woman writing Cam Newton is the most ridiculous sports thing I've read all week. So uh, I'm... I guess I'm a little embarrassed that that woman got any attention at all. There's no athlete that has more fun than Cam on the field, and that's the way the game should be played. And it was pretty harmless considering what what transpired. And quite frankly, it was a lot of fun to watch. And if you don't want him to dance, maybe you should, shouldn't let him in the end zone. But to just to piggyback on that, the media is making Cam out to be some type of monster. If you go and watch the full clip of the entire game and the celebrations, the same person that challenged Cam Newton in the end zone was the same person doing the hotline dance after they sat Cam Newton in the first half. So I don't understand how you get mad, one, because Cam dances better than you, and two, because Cam <laughs> scores more than you. But I'm still just confused. How is Cam Newton a monster when he celebrates in the end zone, but Aaron Rodgers just signed a million-dollar deal with, I believe it's State Farm, uh, far as insurance, because he does his discount double-check dance. Well, we'll go ahead and leave that to be rhetorical, but I think your point is well taken. Uh, that's all for us this week. We look forward to hearing from you on Twitter. That's at 4statspodcast. Uh, it's always the number four, never the preposition. And also, you can look us on Facebook by searching 4statspodcast in your search bar. 
We'll be back again next week, and we'll talk to you then. Signing off.